I was thinking about reading one of the Modiphius entries for this episode, but this episode isn't really about one person. It's about two people. It is, yeah, it is. And about there two. are there are later on episodes of DS Nine that are about one of the, the focus other more folks, on one of the so other. I think we should. That's true. Yeah, I think we shouldn't do that. Is is O'Brien like? Does he have a separate one for DS Nine and for TNG, or is he not in the TNG one? He's on the TNG one. Okay. No. I don't think so anyway. I think it's just main cast. Oh, okay. And I think DS9, it's like main cast plus Garrick. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah, so not, not, not yet on that. Um, I'm really curious f- to hear your thoughts on this episode because I liked this episode, didn't love it, but I was like, but I, I also, I'm, I'm predisposed to like it for various reasons that I don't think you necessarily share. So That's fair. I'm curious how it will. Yeah, it. I'm afraid I won't have too much to say about this one, but. Well, is there anything else we should talk about then? There's nothing I can think of offhand. Yeah, I mean, there's not there's not really any like news about about yeah, uh, Star Trek related. Star Trek right now. Um, I haven't been watching very much of it lately. I've I'm still at at the end of season five of, of Voyager because I've just been yeah watching a lot of movies uh, this year instead. I've who are you on now? Are you still doing like directors or? Oh yeah, so I'm I finished Steven Steven Soderbergh recently. Yeah. So now I'm on Ang Lee, or Ang Lee, I'm not sure you oh, said his, his first name. So we've watched the first four of those. Uh, I'd never seen Sense and Sensibility before. That movie is really, really good. It's probably the best really? Austin adaptation I've, I've ever seen. Yeah, and then, so, you know, Kim is also, at the same time, we've, we've kind of been switching back and forth. So I'm doing directors, and Kim has been doing an actor. So Kim okay. did Ryan Gosling, and we just finished him. And so now she's doing uh, Brad Pitt, so... Okay. So I named like our. I keep these lists on Letterboxd of like ranking different movies in different contexts, so, like by year and by director and by now by actor for these two. So I called the Ryan Gosling one. I called it Lost in the Goss, and so now this new one I'm calling uh, Get Get in the Pit. Get, uh, so oh that'll take us a while though to get through. That'll him. take a while. Yeah, he's been acting but, for a while. Um, Have you seen the? It's not really a Brad Pitt movie, but the the Lost City, the Sandra Bullock one. I did see that, yes. Um, I did not like it very much. I think really? he's good in it, um, but have you, did you see it? Yeah, yeah, we watched it. I What'd thought it think? was like a fun like popcorn movie, or just like kind of like silly, fun movie. I, th- I think Brad Pitt's good in it, and I think uh, like it's kind of a shame, because it's like, I think the thing that they do to Brad Pitt in the movie is probably the best thing that they do in the movie. But at the same time, as soon as he's not in the movie anymore, I'm like, well, where's Brad Pitt? Like, I want Brad Pitt to be in the movie anymore. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I think also, too, like, one thing for me specifically is that, like, I I did Zemeckis a couple of years ago, and so I did, not that long ago, rewatch uh, Romancing the Stone, um, which, have you ever seen that oh, movie? Okay. I, it's been a long time, but yeah, I have, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I know that that comparison very much was there, and like, yeah, and, and like, Romancing in the Stone is so good, and like, Lost City obviously like knows that it's indebted to Romancing the Stone because it, like, there are a couple of scenes where it's like clearly like referencing specific shots and things like that. But I'm still just like, yeah. this movie still is like kind of, you know, like we were talking about a couple months ago when we were talking about um, Strange New Worlds, we kind of said that like. That second last episode of the first illustration of the world is like big time, like we have aliens at home. And that was kind uh-huh. of like what I was watch- thinking watching that movie. I was like, oh, we have, we have Romancing the Stone at home. You know? <laughs> That's fair. But uh, I like him a lot, though. I like Red Pit a lot, so I'm. I'm, I'm That's good. That'll be a fun. There's, there's a lot of 
good movies in that lineup too. I'll bet. Yeah, well, even we even like some movies that probably I didn't know were good. Like we we're watching every theatrically released movie of his, or like that he's in in any kind of significant amount anyway. And so yeah. the first movie we had to watch was what we weren't looking forward to that I we had never heard of called Across the Tracks, and it's about Brad Pitt plays a track star who has like a brother who comes back from juvie, and like it's about like. Brad Pitt kind of, like, losing control and maybe descending into some, like, drugs or alcohol or whatever, kind of. That's kind of what it's about. While this other guy is getting his life back together. It sounded like a bummer and kind of not good. And then we watched it and we're like, hey, this movie's actually pretty good. Nice. It's actually a pretty emotionally complex little indie movie, so. But yeah, no no real Trek news, but yeah. Yeah. I guess the other technically Trek-adjacent thing is, have you been watching the uh, the the Orville. the Orville yet? No, I haven't. Have you seen any of it yet? I've only seen the first episode so far, and then because it like it started at I think exactly the same time as Strange New Worlds, or like right around the same time. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't gotten around to watching. What do you think? The first episode yet? I I mean, it's just based on like a one episode sample size, and maybe it's like because I was also watching Strange New Worlds at the same time. I feel like it's like not as good as I remember it being. But also, I think, like, what it had going for it before was that, like, it was the only thing that felt like Star Trek that was out, yeah. right? Like, it was, like, Discovery was out, and you're like, well, if you don't like, like, if you want Star Trek and don't like Discovery, like, it's much more, like, an homage to, like, TNG-era Star Trek. And again, like, it was, it, it wasn't bad, and they, like, definitely, like, dealt with, like, the first episode deals with suicide, which is, like, a tough... I feel like thing to come out the gate of your like what was originally pitched as a comedy show. <laughs> yeah, although it was very obviously never a comedy show. Really. I mean, like there's funny stuff in it, but like yeah, it's it's not really a comedy. Like it's not, not its primary all. goal. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I I'm sure like I will watch the rest of it and like see what I think. But I feel like I re- remember really liking it, and this one I was just kind of like, eh, it's you do all right. So was um, was Norm Macdonald's character in it? I- he was, yeah. He's at least the first episode. He still was, yeah. Because they were making that show for such a long time that, like, I, I imagine he probably got to record some stuff prior. Yeah, but- I think I read that like they had done like most of the of like his recording before before he died. Not that he's like amazing in that show, but I just I just really like Norm, so I yeah, guess I'm glad that sure. like there's there's still some more new Norm material that's going to come out into the world so yeah hi everybody and welcome to out of contracts the show where two guys who have seen part of star trek try to watch all of it in no particular order i'm ryan howard and i'm brady jungle and today we're talking about armageddon game which is deep space nine season two episode 13 it is written by morgan gendel ira stephen bear and james crocker and it is directed by the frequent director, Winrich Colby. Um, I have said that name enough now that I know that we have said it multiple <laughs> times before. That's fair. Um, the memory op- the synopsis of this one is, O'Brien and Bashir help to rid two races of their biological weapons. However, both governments want to ensure that no technological knowledge of the weapons can survive. Um, what do you think of this episode? I, I thought it was good. I thought it was fine, I guess. Like, it was one of those that I thought was, like, well-executed, but didn't really 
stand out in too much of a notable way for me. If that yeah. makes sense. That does make sense. I, I, yeah, it's like, it's fine. It's, it's like, it's like, yeah. you know, fine. It, it very much feels like it, one of those episodes that like is an important piece of a larger puzzle of like specifically like the relationship between these two characters. Yes. Um, because I, and, and again, like probably hits better in the greater context of the show because I've kind of seen like bits and pieces of the two of them from like different periods of time. Yeah. Like I do know that they end up with kind of this like very sort of sweet friendship, but also like are frequently kind of just like annoyed by each other, especially early on. I mean, I think early on everyone's annoyed by Bashir. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think this, like, I think that's the kind of notable thing of this is like, after the fact, you could probably point to this episode of like, this was like a really like a turning point in their friendship or something like that. Yeah. This is like, this is like the episode where it goes from like O'Brien hating Bashir to him being like, he's not my favorite, but like, he's all right. And then like, by the end of the show, like they're just like best buds. Uh, How close does this come to the episode where they get drunk and O'Brien tells Bashir, like when I first met you, I hated you. And now I don't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right right yeah uh so i liked that because I, I just like those two characters and i i think that like their yeah. friendship is very sweet and so it's like nice to see like the, the kind of like how, how that developed there's a couple of scenes in this that i think are really effective but i would say ultimately it is kind of like a 30 minutes of story into 40 minutes of episode a little bit yes in the kind of the same vein that we were we mentioned briefly last time of the kind of economy of like how much ground of story you cover in one episode like very little happens in this episode yes it is yeah it does i think suffer a little bit from being one of those of it's just about like these two and their relationship and that's kind of it yeah and again like done i think it does that part of it very well but it's funny because i think that that's actually probably going to be the part of the episode i will probably talk about least not because it's bad, but just because it's like it is what it is. It's like they're in like a shack for a while, and they kind of talk to each other, and they yeah, they kind of come to an understanding, and then like then it's over. Yeah. Whereas there's some other things that happen in this episode that are like kind of weird or kind of funny or or like just kind of like Star Trek. They they prompted in me some Star Trek thoughts. So okay, that's good because yeah, I, I had not a lot of thoughts. I okay, well why don't you one. take why don't you take us in? We can probably do the actual synopsis relatively quickly. Yeah. So basically, uh, like the Memory Alpha synopsis said, it, it, this starts out with Bashir and O'Brien have gone to this planet where there's these two different groups of people that have been at war that are notable for having different types of ridiculous hair. Yeah, I, I told this to Kim, and after I said it, I realized I also said this the first time she and I watched it together when we were watching through the show. They look like Who's. They, just, they both look they like... They do. They're... It's two different models of Who. Yeah, they look, they but, look yeah. like Who's from the Ron Howard Grinch movie. <laughs> and I do not remember their names. I'm not going to remember their names. There's the group that has, like, hair wings. Like, two, like, triangles coming off of either side of their head. And yeah. then the group that has, like, just, like, a big... A hair tower. Hair, hair tower on the back of their head. Yeah. They're the, it's the Talani and the Kellerans. Okay. And, like, they've been at war for generations and used this, like, terrible biological weapon called the Harvester. Which it seems to just, like, 
it's basically just kind of like infects them with a disease that breaks down their cells is what it yeah just kind of they, they talk about it being like a like genetic type thing but then when you see the effects of it it's basically just like septic shock essentially yeah um that is kind of kept in like they have they're in this room of like all these vials of it and they're Bashir's working on like the medical scientific side of it and O'Brien is presumably working on kind of the engineering, like physics side of it, and they figure out that like there's a certain type of radiation we can apply to it that'll like fully deactivate it, and so they they kind of finally figure out how to do it, um, and they are sort of like group by group putting these these vials of the harvester into this uh, kind of big like this machine where like you it's load a, it up a genetic it, bath yeah you load them up into this thing and like the lid goes down and then they get zapped and they come back out and they're deactivated it's kind of funny because look, we go the cold open ends with them being like all right well, we need to we need to get rid of all of them now and then it goes it kind of like pans across like this huge array of them yeah there's like a be, shelf of them yeah and so you kind of think that like that's something about that is going to be the episode where it's yeah to be like, like you keep expecting there to be like one, one or, missing or something like that yeah yeah but then it's not <laughs> right no yeah no they they successfully destroy them all right at the start it, but it's kind of an interesting i i, I knew it was going to happen this time because i've seen this episode before but like i think it's kind of an interesting misdirect when you see what actually does happen because i think what actually does happen is kind of like effectively jarring it is, I think, because, yeah, you do expect it to be, like, something of, like, someone's going to try to, ooh, like, steal, like, some of the harvester or, like, keep it, like, they want to stay at war. Because that, right, because that's, like, usually how these types of stories go, is that, like, there's some fact, like, the Voyager episode with the the relay race in, in space. Um, yeah. Right, where, like, there's the faction that, like, our people are trying to go to peace, but, like, we don't want them to have peace, we want to keep having war so we'll sabotage this thing that would bring about peace and like i I feel like i expected it to be something like that of like someone was trying to like keep just a little bit of the biological weapon so then they could keep the war going or like stage an attack to make an excuse for there being hostilities or something like that Mm -hmm. so right as they're destroying like the last bit of the weapon uh, well, like someone, I think it's, is it the ambassador that says this or someone makes some comment of just like, it's not going to be enough to destroy the weapon. We have to make sure that like all of the research having to do with it is also deleted and like no one can just start like make more of them. And O'Brien's like, yeah, you know, I, I just like deleted the database. And so like all of the files on it are are gone. And then as it's the last one's being destroyed, a bunch of the uh, people with the the tower on their hair bust into the room with guns and basically just shoot and kill everybody in the room except for Bashir and O'Brien. Who, they, they escape. Like who managed they... to escape. But as part of it, like, the, the vat kind of explodes and, like, just this little drop of, of goo, like, lands on O'Brien's arm. Mm. Um... And then they they manage to escape. They like beam down to the surface of the planet, and find this like little abandoned building that they take shelter in. And then there's like a old broken communications device in there that they're like trying to to fix and get working. And then meanwhile, what happens on Deep Space Nine is that 
uh, Cisco gets like contacted by both ambassadors. It's like the ambassadors from both groups, and they they tell him that like unfortunately there was some sort of accident, and O'Brien like accidentally activated some security protocol that just like flooded the room with radiation and vaporized everybody and everybody's dead. And so everyone on deep space nine is having to deal with like Bashir and O'Brien dying in really just kind of a couple of scenes. Like everybody gets kind of like one scene. Like there's one with, uh, Jedzia in Quark's bar. And I think Kira is with her and they're like talking about Bashir in, in Quark's bar and Quark comes over and kind of in his very Quark way, like, (laughs) So so very sad because they were such good customers. Yeah, good little. Which scene. is, I feel like, isn't appreciated enough. Like they just kind of roll their eyes at him, and I'm just like, that. That's. I feel like for Quark, that's very, that's very high compliment. Yeah. Um, like he was being genuinely emotional in the greatest way he could, right there. Yeah. So, during this process, though, this is one of the things I want to talk about. Is yeah. that They tell uh, Cisco. They died because, like, O'Brien excellent set off a thing that we yeah. didn't even know was there. And then they show him a clip of what happened, which is a very funny clip because, like, O'Brien's like, what's this? And then, like, they all just immediately disappear. There's, like, a little, like, <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's like, little, like, like brat sound. And then they're all, they all just start. Div- just, and anyone vaporized. in the room is just gone. Yeah. But more importantly, Kim and I were going nuts because we were like, well, okay, so somebody in the future has security cameras. Why doesn't. Like there, there has to be something in the, the history of Future Federation where like, they just outlawed security cameras because <laughs> you never ever see them, and there are so many episodes of Star Trek where it would be solved if you had a security camera. If just like someone had seen what happened mm-hmm. in this like, yeah, especially in like a space station or a spaceship, like some place where there's incredibly like powerful technology or sensitive data that like. In present time, you absolutely would have a security camera. Right. It's just like you, you have to feel like like maybe like people decided it was like a, a too grave of a violation of privacy or something. But like there has to be some law that you can't have them because it doesn't really make sense why, why they don't exist. Especially when you see that like, yeah, other, I mean, obviously like the security footage in, um, in the only other one I can think of where we've seen security footage in um, Court Martial it turns out that right. it's fake security footage. It's easily you know? doctored, right? But like, clearly, someone else is using it. So it's just, like, it just that's going to become like a thing for me. Like the money thing is of like, why, why, like, why, why is, is it, why was there no security camera right here? Yeah, like why doesn't Odo have a bank of security cameras in his office? Like you all know, over like, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, but anyway, that's a good um, point. That's a I didn't think about that, but yeah, it does. Using them here kind of calls attention to why they're not just everywhere. Yeah. And so they show him this footage, and so it kind of keeps cutting back and forth between, like, Cisco and the people on Deep Space Nine, and but most of the time is spent on uh, Bashir and O'Brien in this little shack. And I think one of the first things that they talk about is they have this kind of conversation where Bashir's just like, well, at least I, like, don't have a wife and kids that are going to be, like, worried about me, and, like, I don't know how you deal with that extra stress of being in like a like dangerous life-threatening job and knowing that you have a wife and kid at home and O'Brien's like, well, you know, like that's just cause no one ever loved you. Um, and like, 
you know, and that like it talks about how it's worth it. And Bashir kind of references that like he apparently had a ballerina girlfriend in medical school. He would. <laughs> I got very like like supermodel from Canada type vibes. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, that was perfect. And then he ended up like just leaving for Starfleet and never talked to her again. So they kind of have this sort of like tense conversation where, again, kind of at first you can tell that like Bashir is just really irritating O'Brien and O'Brien's trying to fix this, uh, this communicator thing. And then O'Brien ends up getting sick because he had been infected by the, the bioweapon. And so then for like the second half of it, he's kind of just huddled up in blankets in the corner and he's having to talk Bashir through fixing this thing. And meanwhile, Bashir's trying to, like, you know, keep him engaged and keep him talking so that he doesn't, like, go into shock. And so it's just a lot of, like, they keep talking about Bashir's girlfriend and uh, Orion talks about how, like, you know, it it is worth it because of, like, how much, like, he and Keiko love each other. And, like, even, because I think Bashir also, like, mentions that he says it's, like, no secret on the station that, like, you guys are having marriage problems. Um because like Keiko didn't want to come to Deep Space Nine, and that's a big that's a big plot point in the first season of the show. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's at least in the ones I've seen, like, and I think it's like unfortunate, but I feel like whenever Keiko is on the show, it's like because her and O'Brien are having a fight about something. Yeah, I like the actor, and, and this is not a criticism of the actor at all. I think I think the show kind of makes her sort of like shrewish, which is which is a bummer because yeah. I, I like I like. Um, yeah, I like Rosalind Chow, and I like Keiko on TNG, and then she kind of yeah is a little bit more like naggy and mean in in DS Nine. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And so they they kind of keep because they're having to rely on each other, like become closer and um, and start to like really like kind of work well together. And then meanwhile, back on Deep Space Nine, like Cisco goes to tell Keiko that O'Brien's dead. Well, I kind of want to let's let's save that for the end because I want to talk about that specifically because I think that the payoff to that is so the funny. the little like sitcom stinger at the end of the show. Yes, <laughs> for sure, like, for sure. Because that's that's actually like one of my one of my personal favorite little like writing beats when you can pull it off, which I'll, I'll which I'll, I'll we'll, we'll get to it in a second. But like that's fair. I did, I did really like it too. Let's just say that like DS Nine is figuring out how to find them. Yeah. at this time. Um, they figured out that like, it, well, it is also worth the one thing worth saying. I think at this point is that like we learn in this episode that Cisco is infinitely better at delivering bad news than Archer. Yes, um, <laughs> I, I was just reminded of that one where like Archer has this like incredibly awkward conversation about what a good cadet. Si- well, remember that that's not really Archer. That's just a dream that uh, that's true. That maybe she's having. That, that maybe she just out. imagines him being bad at it. But yeah, but like. Cisco just like comes right out and like Keiko knows immediately and like yeah that's that's the way to do it. But yeah, so all we need to say right now is that like Keiko doesn't believe that he's dead. Yeah, they all to- and then they all together like figure out that the footage was actually doctored. Yeah. Um and so like it's possible that O'Brien and Bashir might still be alive. And so Cisco and and Jedzia go to go to the planet and like they're like we want to see like like Cisco's like I want to go like see the room where it happened. And Jedzia is like going on to the their shuttle to kind of go through and see if there's anything weird with that. And 
Cisco is talking to the ambassador for the wing hair people, and he's like, did you basically, is like, so the the other ambassador is the one who like showed you this footage after the fact, and so he may have had time to doctor it. Because kind of what you're being led to believe before this point is that like the the tower hair people are the bad guys because they were the ones that did the shooting and that ambassador is like just kind of gives off a sort of like suspicious type of feel the first time he shows up on screen. Yeah. And so you're like, oh like he like is trying to pull off some sinister plot and like the other people are like the good ones. And so Cisco's like like asking her like, you know, is there any chance that he might have done this? Or like why would he why would they like try to do something after the weapon had already been destroyed? And then Jadzia finds on the ship that like the ship had been used, like had sent out like a transporter signal. So they're able to kind of start to piece together like, oh, like maybe they got out, like the two of them transported to the surface. And then you cut back to Bashir and O'Brien who are in their you know, in this abandoned building on the surface, and they are kind of are like just about to get the thing working, and uh, the doors open, and uh, first the wing-haired ambassador comes in, and they're just like, "Oh, thank goodness! Like you've come to rescue us! Like, did you know that the other people like came in and killed everyone?" And then the reveal is that like both of them were working together and were actually behind this, and the reason they killed everyone wasn't because they wanted the weapon it was because they wanted to like be completely sure that anyone who know anything about the weapon was dead so that no one could ever make the weapon again so it's kind of that like doing the wrong thing for the right reason like their intentions were good but they were just like taking it to like the wrong extreme well they're still living it's interesting because like they're still living in like the attitude of violence, where it's just like, well, we managed to stop this thing, but we still don't trust that like we can solve our problems peacefully. Like we don't, we don't trust yeah, that like that this point. won't happen again. The only thing we can happen again is to like commit one more act of violence to, yeah, to end it completely. You know, like which I think is kind of interesting. Where it's like it, it, it to me, it's like they're they're operating like you didn't really learn the right lesson. <laughs> yeah, they're still operating out of fear rather than like operating with like the goodwill that they will need to make this work you know um it's kind of interesting yeah that is a really good point um and then like just as they're about to kill bashir and o'brien they get like beamed up onto the shuttle by uh cisco and then yeah because because then they it it is one of those things where they like kind of keep doubling down on the violence too because then the ambassadors kind of has their ship there and then Cisco's just on this little runabout and they're telling him like you know like we have to make sure that no one has the knowledge and that like nothing bad can happen so like we're even willing to not only kill like Bashir and O'Brien but also like blow up your whole ship and like kill like a Starfleet captain and like potentially risk war with Starfleet um and then Cisco manages to like do this kind of neat bit of trickiness where they have two because there's like the ship the shuttle they came in and then the shuttle that o'brien and bashir were on so they like yeah they beam over to the other one put the one that the 
people think they're on onto autopilot and like fly straight at them and force them to blow that shuttle up and then in the meantime they're able to escape in the second shuttle yep um yeah and then and then they get back and and there's kind of this scene at the end in sick bay where o'brien's recovering and uh keiko's there with them and then bashir comes in and talks about how like the two of them sort of admit that like they've become closer because of this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, although that like Bashir's still kind of being irritating and, and missing the cues that like O'Brien just wants to have some time with his wife now um, <laughs> until they kind of like, he kind of finally picks up on it and like, is like, okay, I'll leave you alone and walks out. Um, and then we get the, the pay- if you want to talk about the, the payoff so- you were talking about. Okay, one of my favorite things in fiction is when there's something that happens in the story that you're like, that's stupid. And then at the end of the story, the story is like, you're right, it is stupid. It was, it was, <laughs> we, we, we know it was stupid. It was stupid the whole time. Uh, what's fun, It's fun, kind of funny. I don't really want to like spoil this movie because I think it's actually a good movie worth watching. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's actually more likely that you would... Watch it because um, there's a movie that came out earlier this year called The Outfit, which is now streaming on Paramount Plus, and I would recommend watching it if you like little kind of like it's like a locked room sort of like crime thriller type thing, and there's something in it that's very dumb, and I remember like watching the trailer for it and being like that kind of sounds dumb, but then the movie was getting good reviews, so I decided to go see it, and then I was like, yeah, this still kind of seems dumb, and at the end of the movie, the movie's like, ha, you're right, it was dumb, and this is why, like, and. And I kind of loved that in this, because there's a thing where Kim and I are kind of making fun of it, where in the security footage that they show Cisco, the fake security footage, yeah, uh, O'Brien is drinking coffee, and then Keiko is like, it says uh, to Cisco, well, clearly this is fake, because... Because there's a little, like, timestamp in the corner that's like, 5 p.m. Yeah. And she's like, clearly this is fake, because O'Brien never drink Miles never drinks coffee in the afternoon, because it keeps him up at night. And we're like, okay, that seems like kind of a stretch. It's like, and I think doesn't even Cisco say like, well, maybe he was drinking. Yeah, like he like was working late hours and just like wanted and she's to. Like, and she's like, no, definitely not. He definitely never drinks coffee. You've never. Yeah. And we were like, well, kind of flimsy, but okay, I guess. And then like, it, yeah, and again, they the like end, base this like whole like rescue operation on Keiko being like absolutely positive that. He doesn't drink that coffee. Miles wasn't afternoon. drinking coffee at that time. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and like even when they get him back, like Kim and I, Kim joked, like, "Oh yeah, all because like Keiko knows that he doesn't get coffee." And then at the very end, she says, "Like she's like, well, I knew it wasn't you because of the coffee thing." Well, no, no, he asks her for some. Like he's like they're in sick bay, and he's like, you know, I feel like some coffee right about now. And she was like, "You don't drink coffee in the afternoon." It's like. What are you talking about? Of course I do. And then she's like, what? And then that's the, that's <laughs> then, like, cuts the hard yeah. cut end of the episode. It, it feels like it should be the kind of like, like very like, like sit 90 sitcom credits where like, it should just like freeze frame on that and have like the music play and like the names like fly across the front of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's that's really, the feeling it's, it gets. it's really funny because it's just like, it's just, I mean, it like, yeah, so that's good. stupid. Like, why would she like, why like the whole entire premise that she, this very weak premise that she kind of went after on this thing like ended up just being totally wrong also (laughs) but somehow also like right at the same time yeah it was i I really i really liked that um uh, a lot so that bumped up like if i was giving these a star rating like that would that bumped it up by like a half star i think that little the payoff there Uh um I just I just love stuff like that. I was watching, this is like a little different, but I was watching I was watching uh, 
the Sean the Sheep movie, the first Sean the Sheep movie yesterday. Okay. With my kids, and there's like this running gag where like they're in the pound, and there's like this weird dog that's like staring at them, and the dog has this really weird look on his face, and never ever changes his expression or moves a muscle. And it's just, it's just I'm cutting back to it. It's just like kind of funny to see it because it's such a weird drawing. And then like at the end, in like kind of like the over the credits montage, it goes back to this pound and like they're turning it from a pound into like an animal rescue operation. And they're like, they're they're taking care of all the animals that are still in the pound. And then they, and then they go over to, it, it shows you like this dog again that's still staring in that same position. And then someone picks it up and it's actually a cardboard cutout of a dog. And then like he is like. Shawshank Redemption style, like dug dug a hole out the side of the pound, like. (laughs) So it's just like this weird thing of like, the movie's been calling attention to this thing. Like, oh, that's kind of funny and weird. And at the end of it, it's like, oh yeah, but see, it was actually funny and weird in a different way. You know. Yeah. I like that kind of thing a lot. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I thought it was like a good episode. Like not like an incredible to bring up or something we we talked about recently off air, where I was saying that like eventually. One of these days, when I finish watching all all uh, all Star Trek episodes, I want to make like a, a list of like the 100 best episodes of Star Trek, and yeah, this won't be on there. But it's like you know, didn't feel bad about having watched. I spent my time watching it. It was a perfectly, yeah. perfectly enjoyable episode of the show. Um, I agree. Well, thank you everybody for listening. The next time we are going to be talking about a doozy of an episode, we're talking about. Uh, Coda, which is season three, episode fifteen of Voyager, and uh, we're, we'll be back in two weeks to listen to that. You can listen to that then. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Contracts. You can email us at autocontracts at gmail.com. You can visit our website at autocontracts.podbean.com, or you can also YouTube it at autocontracts. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. You can also uh, listen to the other shows on the Kaleidoscope Media Podcast Network. There is uh, Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. There's That's Not How Science Works, which is a science pop culture podcast. And there is Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. So check any of those folks out if they sound interesting to you. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye.